You only have so much time. And you have a big assignment. Thank you for tuning in to Matter of Theology. Matter of Theology is a podcast production by Faithful Life Ministries where we seek to address cultural and church issues from a biblical standpoint. We seek to bring you biblical truths despite what the popular movements of the day think or those that for some reason believe God loves us more than he loves his commandments. Mm. Just an indication of where we're going today. But uh, we are on Patreon. Just remember that. So if you would like to partner with us, head over to patreon.com slash matter of theology and become a subscriber. We have a variety of plans on there. We also have, uh, we started posting some extra content on there. We've got uh, some, some study through Hebrews 1 uh, through verse 3. Yep. Uh, I've got a video on there about how to study the Bible. Um, and... I've also uploaded, just for fun, if you want to take your Bible study to the next level, uh, a structural diagram worksheet. Um, And in that is also included an example of how to do the structural diagram. Um, So if you want that, you can head on over, become a subscriber, and that will be available to you. Uh, Also, if you would like to donate the conventional way, write us a check or something, um, Faithful Life Ministries is a registered 501c3, 501c3 nonprofit organization, so your donation is tax deductible. So reach out for us on that. But on today's show, we are going to be addressing a statement that was made by you know, none other than the Andy Stanley himself. Now, uh, I, I, I do want to kind of, uh, from the onset, say we're not really going to be discussing Andy Stanley himself, but rather what he said and the implications of what he said. Uh, because we've covered thing, other things that he said in the past as far as, uh, you know, the, the denying of the sufficiency of scripture and things like that. And we're going to get a little bit into that today as well. But really, uh, there was a statement that went out that he said, and it was kind of, it, it kind of took me by surprise uh, that he would say it. But then again, it didn't because it is Andy Stanley. Uh, and that statement was that God loves you more than he loves his commandments. And now the issue with that uh, is God's commandments are holy. God's commandments are a reflection of himself, of his nature, of his character. So in order for God to love us more than he loves his commandments, he is actually going to have to dilute his own holiness by placing us above that. And scripture completely speaks against this. Uh, scripture all over the place talks about, you know, how, how uh, David in the Psalms, right? He meditates on God's law. Jesus himself said, I did not come to abolish the law, but he has come to fulfill the law. And one of the things Andy Stanley does is he tries to, uh, he, he tries to say, you know, we don't have the Old Testament law, the the Ten Commandments anymore. They're not our commandments. We have new commandments. And those commandments are what Jesus said, where he says, you are to love God. And then the second one is just like it. You are to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, what he's failing to realize is that when Jesus says that, he says, in this is all the law and the prophets. So basically what Jesus is saying, when Andy Stanley says the Ten Commandments are not your commandments, when Jesus says love God, love neighbor, he's saying first table of the law, second table of the law, which is the Ten Commandments. Because the first table deals with our relationship with God and our communion with him. The second table of the law deals with our relationship with man and our communion with man and how we are to treat one another. So Jesus doesn't come to, to unhitch 
God's commandments from us. He actually comes to enforce the commandments. Because if you think about this, think about our nature before coming to Christ. Okay, our nature is one of enmity with God. We're enemies of God. We don't seek after the things of God. Just read Romans. Read Romans chapter 1. Read Romans chapter 2 for those who think that they're saved, but they're actually not. Read Romans chapter 3, full display of man's nature. Read all the way to Romans chapter 5, chapter 6. How do we deal with grace and the grace that has been given to us? It's not a license to sin, but man in his nature, his fallen nature, does not seek the things of God. He can't do what pleases God. So now we have to ask the question, does fulfilling God's commandments please God? Uh, well, I mean, look, man, I, I, I want to be, um, I, I want to be gracious and I want to be, uh, gentle, but I want to be very, very direct. Um, and, and I, I want to back up even farther than, than, than where you just were, because yeah. to, to make a statement like that, to say, you know, after, and, and again, I know, I know, I know. I know you said you weren't going to talk about Andy Stanley, but, uh, but I am. And, and the reason that I am is because um, it, it's gotten to a point that he has to be called out as a false teacher. It's, it's gotten to a point where he needs to be publicly rebuked. Uh, he, won't, he won't heed to any private messages that have been sent. Um, he, won't, uh, he, he won't listen. In fact, he gets very, very snide and a little terse. Um, when it comes to responses on stuff, I, I remember there was one time last year, somebody asked if he would be willing or somebody said, Hey, who wants to get, who wants to see a debate between John MacArthur and Andy Stanley on Twitter and Andy Stanley tweeted back as a reply with the hand raised emoji. Um, and of course everybody screen, including myself screenshotted it. And I was like, Whoa. And then of course he went back and deleted it when people were like, wait, are you serious? Um, I mean, look, this backs up, this backs up all the way from it. And, and I don't want to give him any undue attention that he isn't already getting. This is a lot like, uh, and, and forgive me, but not, this is a lot like some of the stuff that Mark Driscoll's done lately with the, you know, reformed and uh, reformed the Calvinism, the Calvinism is not biblical. Uh, bro, you named one of your kids after John Calvin. Uh, you know, uh, come on. Um, with Andy, this is this is just a way. This is just a way for him to. And, and, and you guys can't see me, but I'm I'm making the the gesture of stoking the fire, pushing the buttons and stoking the fire. Because ultimately, what he's done from the very first moment of him questioning the the necessity of the virgin birth, which we've talked about on this podcast, um, you know, to quote our brother Nick Steinekin, no no virgin birth, no salvation, complete with the inflection. To the, you know, unhitch yourselves from the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments are not your commandments, Peter and Paul weren't concerned with the Old Testament, and I'm like, bro, have you even read any of the epistles? Um, and, and then now this, I mean, so look, it has reached a point where when you study what Scripture says about itself, and that's what I want to talk about in this episode, I want to, I want to take a 30,000 foot flyover of just, just very simply what the Bible says about itself, what God says about his word, what his son has said about his word, what the spirit testifies and glorifies through the son about his word. Um, you know, for him to make a statement like this is crass. Um, and it is, it, it is purposefully uh, stated and crafted in a way um, that he's trying, he's, he's trying to make people mad. He's trying to get the attention and it has reached a point with him where he has got to stop. And, and I may be so bold that if you're listening to this and you go to North Point Community Church, if you go to Brownsbid, Brownsbridge, if you go to Buckhead Church, uh, any of the North Point campuses and you are a professing believer in Jesus Christ, you need to leave. I'm going to be very, very bold right now and say, because the gospel itself, the whole counsel of God is not being, sola scriptura is not being held to. And that's a problem. 
because because you've got you've got him him hawing around this and in part three saying one thing in part and i know you listened to it i did not i'm, I'm just going off our conversation earlier i'll let you talk about that but you've got part three saying one thing and applying one, you know, implying something. And then part four saying something completely different. And th in no way, shape or form is honestly, honestly, I'm going to be a little bit more bold. I don't know if he truly feels this way about scripture. Why on earth is he a pastor? You just need to be a motivational speaker at this point. You're not a pastor. You're not. If you're going to get up on a platform in front of thousands, and, and release something that's broadcast to millions through audio and video and say that God loves you more than he loves his commandments is, is pastorally irresponsible. You are unqualified. Yeah, Sit ultimately, down. when you say that, you are elevating man. You're elevating the right. position of man. And, I'm, and, and, and hear me, I am not saying, hello, that, that God does not love you as an adopted child of God. Hello, his son mm -hmm. was, was slain on our behalf that, that, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. But how do we know about that? Through the Bible. Mm -hmm. You know, God, to say something, like God does not love you more than he loves his commandments. To say, again, it's, it's incredibly irresponsible as a pastor. His mm -hmm. word is holy it is perfect. Mm -hmm. Psalm 19 says that the law of the Lord is perfect. Okay, so I want to camp out right there for just a second. We are not perfect. As a redeemed son of God, the Holy Spirit lives in me, and any righteousness that I have is his righteousness. Any, any attempts at righteousness on my behalf, Scripture says, are, are like filthy rags. So, God's word is called perfect, and it, it is perfect for restoring the soul, reviving the soul, renewing the soul. Faith comes by what in Romans 10? By hearing, and by hearing what? The word of God. Mm -hmm. So, so the, 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 the commandments of God, the law of God testify about the holiness of God. And remember, God's first concern is not us. God's first concern is what? His holiness. Yes, we are made in his image. However, scripture is replete with passages that describe, just as you started getting into, our condition, mm -hmm. pre and post salvation. Mm -hmm. So, but but you can't you can't tell Andy Stanley that because he thinks, you know, just to quote the Bible and to say the Bible quotes or the Bible says so isn't good enough. That's right. Yeah, and that's to say something like that. Well, you have to reject Jesus's view of Scripture because what was Jesus's view of Scripture? Jesus constantly said, "Have you not read? Have you not read? For it is written. It is written." And may I be so bold to say, if you reject Christ's view of Scripture, you reject Christ. Yeah, you have to. At that point, you have to. And look, I, I'm not saying this with joy. I, 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 there's there's directness and there's tension there because there is a righteous indignation that fires up in me when I hear something like this. Um, because I have family that that go to one of his churches, and, and, and of course, I, the question is always, why? What are you doing? Um, but but come on, I, I mean, you, you just look at you look at Psalm one. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of the sinners, nor sit at the seat of the scoffers. But his delight is in what? The law of the Lord. And, on, and in his law, he meditates day and night. And then, it's, and then further on in verse 4, it says that the wicked are not so, but they are like chaff. Which, when the wind, they're like chaff, which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the, the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So I'll say this. I mean, it's Psalm 2, Psalm 5, Psalm 7. All talk about the fact that God is angry with sinners every single day. So for Andy Stanley to stand up, in a quote-unquote church, and yes, I'm putting that in air quotes, and yes, I'm being very direct and very bold. I understand that. It is out of love, I assure you. Um, uh, and if you have any questions about that, I would love to talk to anybody about what I'm saying right now. 
But for him to stand on that platform in a room full of carnal Christians that hold to a, a, a normative principle of worship and say that God loves you more than he loves his commandments, and then not to quantify that and to say that, well, okay, well, if you are in Christ, yes, you are valued by God. Christ died for you. But if you are not in Christ, oh, no, no, he does not. You are not his child. You are made in his image. Yes, you should be treated as such. Yes, but you are not his child. Yeah, the only thing that separates the believer from the non-believer is Christ. And how, right. how God views us, either he either views us apart from Christ or he views us through Christ. So if, if our position is one that is not in Christ, then God views us as objects that are due judgment, that are due his Objects wrath. of wrath, the New Testament says. That's, that's right. We are objects of wrath, Ephesians right. says. Now, if we, are, if we are viewed as through Christ— that is, we are covered with the imputed righteousness of Christ. Every, the only righteousness we have is based on the works of Christ and what he did through his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection. Then, then we are now co-heirs with Christ. We now have a yep. different position and we are viewed differently because now we are adopted into the family of God. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and addressing uh, one more time, uh, just just one more, I'm sure I'll come back to it, but just one more time right now anyway, <laughs> you know, addressing addressing the, these things that Andy's talking about and the way he's talking. And I know this has to, I know this has to break the heart of his dad. It really does. I, I, you know, I, first John says that, I mean, it, it, some of the things that Andy is saying and continues to say, I mean, first John's more bold than I am tonight or is, is in saying that the things that he's saying and, and the th things that he's talking about is the spirit of antichrist, mm -hmm. antichrist. Mm -hmm. Like you don't understand how God views his word. You are, you are calling into question the, the, the richest Thomas Watson said the richest jewel that God has left us are the Holy scriptures. Um, and the thing about having a conversation with somebody like this is, you know, again, from an apologetic standpoint, we have to start from that presupposition that God's word is holy and errant and perfect and completely sufficient in all ways. And if the other person's not going to hold to that, well, there's your problem. That's, that's the problem. Um, you know, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking, but it's, it's, it's reached a point it's reached a point where, where it has to be said. He, he has got to repent, or he just needs to stop calling himself a pastor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, uh, real quickly, I want to I touch back on man's nature, because our nature apart from Christ is one that is incapable of keeping God's law, is one that does not desire to keep God's law. Uh, it is one of enmity uh, with God. Now, in Christ— when, when we are saved, when we are, when we are regenerated, when we come to a saving knowledge and a saving faith of who God is, we are now actually able to do that which we could not do before because our nature has changed. So now not only can we keep the commandments of God, but we desire to keep the commandments of God because in striving after those commandments of God, what they do is they help purify us and help transform us more into the image of Christ. They help our sanctification. So now the law of God, as, as David talks about in the Psalms, as, as Jesus talks about, the, the law of God is holy, and we should view it as such because it is the direct representation of God's nature. Now, getting into this, when Andy Stanley talks about uh, God's law and God's commandments, he says that God did not create a people to keep his commandments. <laughs> and he, 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 Come he, on. he, 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 he uh, compares this to, to parents and children. He says, parents don't just have toys. And then they say, we need to have kids to, so someone can play with these toys. 
and God didn't say, and God didn't say, well, I need to create people so that they can keep my commands. Well, here's, here's the thing. God created the people. And then when he created people, he gave them the commands so that they could live according to his standard, his holy standard. Now, the problem with that, of course, is man has fallen. Man's nature. Man's nature is the problem. Well, well, and, and, and the law, what the law does, what, what Paul says the law does is it acts as a school teacher. It, it's a mirror that's held up right in front of our face to drive us to the need of a savior. Law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. Okay, but I'm going to skip away. I'm, I'm going to skip down to, to verse 13 out of Psalm 19. It says, also, okay, also, Keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them let not them rule over me, and I will be blameless. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me back up one more. One more. Um, so uh, there we go. Verse 12. Who can discern his errors? Acquit me of hidden faults. Verse 13. Also, keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not rule over me. So Psalm 19, the psalmist is saying that obeying Scripture, obeying God's commands, which I mean, the the, the most obvious. My question to him would be, okay, I'm getting ahead of my, my, my mind is moving faster than my mouth. Let me finish my thoughts here in Psalm 19. Scripture, scripture is, uh, you know, we're, we're told in Psalm, uh, it's, uh, it's Psalm 12, 6, that scripture is compared to silver refined seven times, right? The number seven in scripture is the number of perfection. Again, more imagery, more, more language to scripture being perfect. Psalm 19, the psalmist is saying what the scriptures do, what the commandments of God do is they keep one safe from hidden faults, sins that we don't know that we're committing. If we're committing our ways, as Psalm 1 said, to following scripture, walking wisely, walking in discernment, that will keep us from hidden faults, but then also keep us safe from those presumptuous sins. Okay. That's what the point of the scriptures are. Uh, as far as sanctification goes. But going back to what he said, God, and, and the analogy of parents with toys, Jesus Christ, fully and truly God, said, if you love me, you will do what? Obey my commands. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is God. Jesus is saying, obey my commands commands well let's that let's, is flat out heresy let's break this down and make it even simpler Gosh. okay <laughs> let's make it even simpler um because we're, we're talking about sin right we're talking about sin how do you know what is sin and what is not sin the only way you know is if you have a standard by which to measure what is sin and what is not sin. Well, and that goes more from just than, than just sin. I, I mean, again, just I mean, just well, yeah. I mean, I'm just breaking the, it the, down to the simplest, right? Yeah. Sick. Well, no, because yeah, he, he's I, talking I am too. about the, sin. Luna, the lunacy. It's lunacy to sit there and say, to to sit there and 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 say something like that as a pastor. That no. God gave you his word, number one, to save you, period. We, we are told in Romans 1 that we are without excuse, that general revelation, and, and the beginning of Psalm 19 deals with that as well, that, that, that we know that there is a creator God by just looking around us, creation, and that God, elsewhere in Scripture, you're, you're, we're told that, 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 that the law of God is written on our hearts through our consciences. So, but without special revelation, we don't know the character of God and those attributes of God that we need to know in order to be saved. So, again, I go, Romans 10, you cannot know how to be saved without 
the scriptures because what does we've talked about it before the purpose of the law is not to save galatians talks about that hebrews talks about that that the law what the law does romans it incites sin it it brings that magnification to the fact romans the, the romans 3 that we need a savior we need we cannot keep the law we need the scriptures to be able to show from a prophetic standpoint that's one of the ways that we know the scriptures are the word of god thomas watson said in a body of divinity is all of the prophecies all the prophecies about christ that were fulfilled so we we need the scriptures for our justification and our sanctification i just and, and for the life of me i don't understand how there aren't more people listening to that sitting there and just going uh excuse, excuse me i have a i have a question if god didn't create me to obey his commands then why did jesus say if you love me you'll obey my commandments just that you want to keep it simple we'll keep it simple not only that if if god loves me more than he loves his commandments then why did jesus say if you love me you will Correct. keep my exactly Ex man right on right right on um you know and, and something you know something else i, I want to read this uh this by thomas watson um and, and he he's he's talking about in a body of divinity the the section about the scriptures um on page 32 he he uh, is talking about the the papists and um and and the roman catholic church but but listen to how eerily similar some of this stuff is that we're talking about okay he says quote in all of script is all scripture of divine inspiration question mark then it reproves the papists who take away part of scripture and so clip the king of heaven's coin okay and at, he says and it is usual with them if they meet with anything in scripture which they dislike either to put it or to put a fa false gloss upon it or if that will not do to pretend that it's corrupted they keep back part of scripture from the people it is a high affront to god to deface and obliterate any part of his word and brings us under that uh premier okay now listen to this this is where it really gets good if if is all scripture of divine inspiration then number two it condemns antinomians who lay aside the old testament as useless and out of date and call those who adhere to them Old Testament Christians. God has stamped a divine majesty upon both Testaments until they can show me where God has repealed the old, it stands in force. The two Testaments are the two wells of salvation. The antinomians would stop up one of those wells, they would dry up one of the breasts of Scripture. There is so much gospel in the Old Testament that com that comforts of of the gospel in the New Testament have rise from the old. Period. Full stop. Now, there was a, a statement that he made later on that. Well, I'll just I'll just read it. I'll just read it and then I'll give you my thoughts on it. This is, this is what he said. He said, when religious leaders use the law of God to manipulate people created in the image of God, Jesus reminded them they were on the wrong side. Now, my initial problem is that there, are there, I, I will say, are there religious leaders that do manipulate God's law in order to manipulate people? Yes, there Absolutely. are. There are. Benny Hinn. Benny Hinn, yeah. Uh, th th there, there's tons of them, but to use God's law, we, we should use God's law because it is a foundation of the gospel because it is the character of God and we don't measure up to the character of God. Amen. Now that's not manipulation. Nope. That's saying that you fall short. 
Now, the, the other statement is where, where he said part of the statement where he says, Jesus reminded those people, talking about the Pharisees that use God's law. First of all, they didn't use God's law. They used the tradition of the elders, which was in addition to God's law. Very, very, very important point. And because th there are those, there are those out there who would would say, uh, well, not not would say, have said that men like Dr. John MacArthur are being Pharisaical by telling Beth Moore to go home and to stop stop preaching because you're not a preacher, uh, you're not a pastor, you're not an elder. Uh, and they would accuse him of doing be, being a Pharisee or a Sadducee or a fundamentalist uh, when that's not what John has done. He is not adding human tradition to Scripture. And that, a human tradition, not, not just adding human tradition, but adding human tradition and then yourselves not living up to that tradition mm -hmm. and then expecting others to. And that's why Jesus called them a brood of vipers. Mm -hmm. That's why Jesus called them whitewashed tombs. So uh, just a small side note there. Keep going, man. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's good. Um, so they weren't actually using God's law. They were, they were appealing to their own additions to God's law, which is what legalism actually is. It's not, legalism is not holding to God's law. That's being a biblicist. Legalism is holding to additions to God's law and saying, if you don't do this, then you are in sin. Now, Jesus, when people referred to God's law, Jesus didn't say they were wrong. He didn't say they were on the wrong side. In fact, Jesus appealed to God's law, and then he intensified it. Let me give you an example, right? Think of this, the Sermon on the Mount, where he says, you have heard it said, or, or, or you have read, that um, thou shalt not commit adultery. That's the command. That's God's law. That's command. But he intensified it. He went further and actually said, I say this. If you even look at a woman lustfully, you have committed adultery with her in your heart. He intensified. He, he didn't even, he, he didn't stop with the action. He went to the intent of the mind, the desire of the heart that wants to perform the action. And he's saying, if you're thinking about it, then you might as well have already committed the action. Right. He intensified God's right. law. Sin, James, yeah, exactly. And, and his, his brother, James, in, in, in his epistle, he, he, he talks about how sin is born, where sin conceives. It conceives in the mind. Uh, that brings forth action, which then gives birth to death. Um, so you're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely correct. Yeah. So uh, it is outrageous that someone can proclaim to be a pastor and say the things that, that Andy Stanley does. And one of the things, and I was talking to Chris earlier, one of the things that really annoys me about Andy Stanley is that, and I said I wasn't going to, <laughs> to, to, to talk about him personally, you but, can't not though. I, it's, yeah. Like I said, it's, it's just reached a point where you, you, you know, uh, go ahead. I mean, you just, it, it, it's reached a point where he's not being clear, right? He has shown himself, you know, when you look at Paul's charge to elders found in the pastoral epistles, we, not we, because I'm not, a, I'm not a pastor, but we are told that pastors uh, and of course, we we want to emulate them. That, that's mm -hmm. that, that's it. But that we are to be workmen. Now, what that workman translates into is to is craftsmen. Think about that: a master craftsman, rightly dividing, cutting it straight. This the word of God, mm -hmm. rightly dividing the scriptures, so that you will show yourself approved to God and, and to those in your charge. So all of that being said, everything that has happened, everything that he said that he's had to go back, well, I didn't really mean this. I kind of meant this. And I, and I think that's about where, you, where you're going with the being annoyed thing is he is, he is not cutting it straight. Right. 
he knows a lot about the Bible, mm-hmm. but he is not he is not reading the text, explaining the text, and exhorting with the text. Mm-hmm. It's all about there's an agenda there, and and oof. yeah, ahead, yeah. Sorry. So 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 the thing that really annoys me is uh, this this statement that we're that we're mainly talking about came came in part three of a series. Well, in part four. Well, let me say, in part three, what he does is he conflates God's law with man's traditions, the, the tradition of the elders, and, and he views them as the same. But in part four, he makes the distinction between the two. He's, and he even says, Jesus makes the distinction as well. He's saying, no, 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 to the Pharisees saying, no, you're holding to the tradition of the elders. That's not God's written law. So he makes the distinction in part four. The, my question is, why not from the very beginning make the distinction already so that people already have the foundation going through when you talk about God's law and you talk about the distinctions between religion, right? The difference between religion, uh, as we see it today, uh, legalistic religion, people already have the, the distinctions in their mind of what God's law is, as opposed to the addition of man's tradition added to God's law. Don't, don't it, it conflate them in one and then separate them in the other, because what happens if one person only hears the one? They walk away thinking, well, they're all the same, and they're not. Exactly, and that is why you have to be clear. Mm-hmm. You yeah. have to be clear. Um, you know, it, it's G- Jesus in, in, in confronting the, the, the Pharisees in John 5 says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me. And, and I mean, he's, he's, he's being clear, you know, as Dr. Stephen Lawson always likes to say, you know, look, God had one son and he was a preacher. That's right. He was you know, clear. Paul you know was clear. Be clear. Don't conflate things and then not in two different parts. This was another thing he said, because he's talking, he was talking about the 10 commandments again. And he said, you know, we don't love mother and father because Moses said we are to love mother and father. And he said, Moses isn't our guy. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. We love mother and father because God said his command, we are to love mother and father. And Did he, he go gave... back and say that? No, he didn't go back and say that. I'll tell you what he said. But, uh, but we love mother and father because God's command is to love mother and father. He just gave it through Moses to the Israelites. Now, he makes – he says – Moses isn't our guy. He said, Jesus is our guy. And I'm going, what did Jesus say? Moses spoke about me. <laughs> He's saying, you look I was Moses. just about to read that verse, verse 46 in John 5. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Ah! I'm serious. Like that's what I'm all saying. you have to do is read that, the Bible, people. It. It's not hard, and I know we're fired up, and I know I am going crazy right now because because like I hope people see why. Like Andy Stanley did an interview with Leighton Flowers. More on that later. Don't get me started no, on that. No, we're not going to touch on but, that. That was but, so but, annoying. But the, it was it was awful. But but the but the reason I'm bringing that up is because he says in there as they are pontificating for over an hour about why Calvinism and reformed theology is not biblical and Andy makes the comment I don't understand how someone can read the book of John and still hold to that theology and I'm going okay let's fast forward to March of 2020 and say excuse me again from the back room here um uh, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. And then if Moses is not our guy, then neither is Jesus. Those are Christ's words, not mine. Mm -hmm. Be clear. Cut it straight. Look, I I mean, and think about this. If someone says, you know, we don't love our neighbor because, because the Old Testament says, because the law of God says, 
we love our neighbor because Christ said to. And I go, you do realize Christ is quoting from Leviticus 19? And you do realize he is God, is. right? And, and he is God. Um, and this is where, this is where uh, studying the attributes of God comes in handy. And this is, th- again, I, you know, I, I go back to, I, it's a rhetorical question. Why do people sit there and listen to it? And people sit there and listen to it. And ultimately, the people that continue to sit there and listen to it, and again, my my goal is to not be loving, but to be like like to not come across as not loving because I am. But my goal is also to tell the truth and to be gracious and gentle in that. But if you are listening to that and you see the problem, or let's let's put it this way: if you sit there and listen to that, and either you go, "Man, that's not okay, that's not right," but you, and then you continue to sit there and listen to it, you're in sin. You're ignoring. You're ignoring the conscience that God gave you. You're ignoring mandates in his word. Um, and if you're a husband and a father and you can oh. allow your family to sit there, you're being passive and you're, you're not d- properly discipling and looking out for the well-being of your family. You are not protecting against a wolf. And right now, and I hate to say that because there was a time that I loved listening to Andy Stanley. Was, I've read a few of his books on leadership. Look, if you um, want if you want to read Andy Stanley books on marriage, on relationships, on leadership, leadership yeah. hey, go for it. But do not come to me and tell me how he is a biblical preacher or or anything related to Orthodox Christianity because he but, doesn't teach it. So so, so that, that that yeah, that, that goes back to my point. If, if you're gonna sit there and continue to to do that, you have to remember that we are all, we are all of us, those of us in Christ are called and commanded to be theologians. Mm-hmm. There was a pastor, I was a part of a church once where the pastor said, and I quote, I have no interest in being a theologian. And I'm like, well, uh, then what are you doing? What are you doing? We are all called to be that. Look at Acts 17. The noble Bereans, it was counted to them that they were noble because they diligently searched the scriptures daily to find out if these things were so. First John, test the spirits. Thessalonians, test everything. Colossians 3, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let's, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that you can't, you, you, you just can't do that. Like as a believer, you're called to to feast on, as Peter said, the pure milk of the word in First Peter. Second uh, Peter, we're told that that we have a more sure word than all the the prophecies and miracles and signs and wonders. And that word was not given by man's interpretation, but by the Holy Spirit. Like we are told and commanded all throughout the whole counsel of God to hold fast to his word, to diligently study his word. You know, 2020 for me, I, I committed at the beginning of the year, this was going to be the year that I studied as much as I could about the attributes of God. Got Stephen Charnock's works, started plowing through that. But then at the G3 conference, Dr. Stephen Lawson, Dr. John MacArthur, Dr. Vody Bauckham all recommended this book, The Attributes of God by A.W. Pink, and I've been living in this book. Um, again, you guys can't see it, but man, it is look like just notes and underlines, and it's written in such a devotional way, but, but we are called to know our God, to know him. And so you know what happens when you do that, when we talked about discernment, when you study the real thing? When you're, when you're reading many good books, as Spurgeon said, but living in the Bible, you're able to hear this stuff regardless of who said it. Just forget the Andy Stanley portion of it for a minute. Regardless of who said it, and you go, that's just not right. Mm. That's not okay. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I, you said it. You said we're called to know God. And ultimately, that's what that word theology is. Theology is the study of God and divine things. So if we are to be in relationship with God, then we must know who he is. Therefore, we must actually study his word because that's the only way we actually find out about who he is and what he mm-hmm. does and who we are and right. what he expects of us. Right. Uh, so theology is a necessary part of the Christian walk. Correct. It, it, it is. I mean, it's... 
Uh, and, and look, I mean, we, we've said this before, and, and if Joshua here, I think he'd probably reel us back in a little bit and say, you know, and with the statement of we're not trying to come across as a discernment ministry. I know I get very, very animated. Um, and, and let me just, let me just say this. Action, so. When I, when I, if, if, when I make a statement, Chris already has the microphone in his mouth ready to chime, <laughs> and I'm not even finished with a statement. I'm so a, a lot of people are probably like, man, like Chris kind of goes off and he's like, it, like it, he, he's kind of like a, a lot of the, the, the show. And I'm like, man, it's cause I say something and he takes off. It, and oftentimes I'm not even clicks. finished saying it, but I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm bad about that. My wife tells me all the time, you, you interrupt people. I was like, I know, I know. It's rude. I know. I'm sorry. I'm working on it. I'm a lot better than I used to be, if that helps. But look, we're, we're, and look, me me saying that I'm studying the attributes of God in 2020, that, that is not me bragging. That is me just going in in prayer and and just taking a step back and looking at like I want to know who my God is. I want to know who the God of the Bible is. Yeah, um, and ultimately everyone so, should want to do that. I mean, yeah. if you have no desire to know who God is, then can you even be sure that he knows you? Mic drop. <laughs> I mean, I, and I don't say that lightly nope. because when we were lost, when we were sheep, when, or lost sheep, you know, astray from the shepherd, we don't know where we're going. We don't know what we're looking at. We, we're stupid. We don't have any desire for anything. But once we're changed, well, we, we understand what we're changed by. We're under, we're, we understand what we're saved from and what we're saved to. And we recognize the gloriousness of God. And we know inherently when you are changed and saved and regenerated by God, you know that you must know this God, that it, you come to a place of unrest where, you're, where you, your sin comes up and you haven't put it to death because there's that, that conviction, the Holy Spirit working in you because at that moment, you're at enmity with God. You're waging war with God and God is trying to bring you to your knees. Right. But we need to have a desire to know God. And the only way you have a desire to know God is truly if you have a changed heart. Mm. So if you do not have a heart that truly wants to know God, then I don't know if your heart has been changed because it's not one of those things where, you know, yeah, you know, I was saved, you know, two years ago, but I mean, God, you know, everyone's walk, man, everyone's walk is different. And some people are slower than other. Like I, I don't see that in scripture. I see people who are changed and then they seek after God. They chase after God. That's all they want to know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, why you were, why you were talking, like, I just, I have that thought and, and my mind was drawn to Psalm 42, you know, as, as the deer pants for the water brook, So my soul pants for you. Oh God, my soul thirsts for God, the living God. Um, is, is that, is that our heart? You know, is that our desire? Do we long for God? Do we long for the things of God? Do we, and, and studying scripture is antithetical to everything that's in your flesh. Like I get, I get that. Um, but is it your desire, even though it's antithetical to everything that's in your flesh, even though it makes you uncomfortable and shift in your seat when, when, when you're reading, uh, the, 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 the indicatives and in the, uh, of, of the story of, of the uh, stories that you find in scripture. And then the imperatives where we're commanded to do something or the, the interrogatives and the questions that are asked throughout scripture, you know, do, does it make a shift in our, our seat? Does it, does it make us sit back and go, ouch, but I want more. I want more of God. I want more of the things of God. Then there's a great indicator. There's a great indicator of, is your heart a heart of stone or a heart of flesh? Um, and again, I go back to what I said earlier. You know, when you hear something like this, where, 
where the word of God, we're told in scripture, in Corinthians, Paul says that, that the word of God is, is, is like, it's the mind of Christ. It's the mind of God. I mean, second Timothy three, it's all scripture is God breathed, you know, to, to sit here and say that any portion of God's holy and errant and sufficient word infallible word is not necessary is a problem. And then to say that God loves you, God loves you, a, a depraved wretch before Christ and only righteous because of the works of Christ afterwards, that he loves you more than he loves his commands. Or God didn't create a people for, to obey his commands like, a, like, a, like parents don't go buy toys and then have kids because they have toys that need to play with them. No, no. Using the parent analogy, okay, fine, let's use that. You have kids if they're planned, uh, but then even afterwards, again, as a believer, it should be, be a little different, but you have kids because you want to, but you, not, not because they're just there to, to play with the toys that you have. Mm-hmm. That doesn't work. That doesn't work. And that, that flies against, well, he said Jesus is our guy. Moses is not our guy. Jesus is our guy. Well, then great. You just absolutely contradicted so much of what Christ said in the Gospels. Yeah. I mean, and this is coming from the guy that said expository preaching is lazy preaching. (sighs) This is a guy that has no clue how to exposit scripture because he doesn't even understand uh, typology and, you know, the fact that that Moses is a type of Christ and, and, Jesus is ultimately the greater Moses, right? He doesn't understand types, anti-types and uh, fulfillments and foreshadowings and and things of that nature. But uh, go ahead. I mean, to sit here and say expository preaching is lazy, then he's calling the Apostle Paul lazy because that's what the Apostle Paul commanded Timothy to do uh, in his letters to Timothy is to teach the word expositionally. Mm -hmm. That's right. So I, I mean to 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 say that to to say that is is again it's pastorally irresponsible and I, I go back to my first question why why are you a pastor why are you continuing to call yourself a pastor if you're just constantly going to to sow those seeds of doubt in in people's minds um, uh, I, I I don't get it yeah ultimately you know Andy brings. Uh, when he talks this way, when he brings the view of scripture that he does and teaches it to his people, when he brings the view of God's commandments uh, that he does and he teaches it to his people, what he's really doing is he's he's directing them on a path of no hope. Because our the, the only way we even know anything about Christ is through his word. Well, it's, it's, oh, I'm sorry. No, go, go ahead. It's either no hope or it's 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 he's giving them hope, but it's like he's saying, "Hey, here's a needle in a haystack the size of Texas." By the mm-hmm. way, he explains it. Here, go find it. Yeah, go, go, well, go well, search well, for it. It's like no, 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 no. Just be clear. And this is why you teach expositionally. Yeah. And what he does is ultimately, and and I said it earlier, is that it's a ele- when he when he says this this idea of God loves you more than he loves his commandments, it's a, it's an elevation of man. So when he gives his version of the gospel message and he gives and, and he does it in in this this message. Now, it, there there's some issue with it, but you can hear that he's he's trying to give the gospel, but he's trying to give it in a way that's palatable to people instead of just giving the full gospel and letting the spirit do its work. He's making it so that everything relies on the person and their decision. Uh, mm. And he's not magnifying actually who Christ is and and the sinfulness of sin and our desperate desire for us or our desperate need for a savior. And he's, he's saying all this, if you basically it, it boils down to this, and this is what I heard when I heard him give what he calls the gospel. It was, if you want to stop doing that and you want to do better and you, you recognize you're a sinner, then make the decision to come to Christ. Well, that's, that's not that's the gospel. Not the gospel. 
That's not the gospel. The, the gospel isn't if you want to do better. The gospel is I'm dead in my trespasses and sins. Mm-hmm. I'm a rotting, stinking, wretched corpse of, of a man, and I need a savior. I, that, that is the gospel. The gospel is you could never fulfill uh, the law of God. You could never fulfill the righteousness, the righteous life required by God through the law. Um, and, but Christ has. Christ lived a perfect life. Christ walked this earth, never sinned, was perfect as truly and fully God, truly and fully man, went to the cross in our place, rose again, defeating death, hell, and the grave, and imputes that righteousness, um, and, and, and our sins are, 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 are put upon him. The robe of his righteousness is wrapped around us, and he has taken the consequence that we deserve because of our lives. Mm-hmm repent and turn repent and believe to behold today right. is the day of salvation that is the gospel yeah yeah it's not just change the way you're thinking and now i will say that i did hear him say that you can't come to christ by your righteousness and i'm like well you got one thing right <laughs> right it's not by your works and i'm like and but that goes back to him being unclear and not cutting it straight. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but you know, some things that Chris said earlier that you know, and I just wrote a couple things down, and you, you know, ultimately it, it, it moves out of this question how do I know that God is working in me? And uh, you know, a couple of things I wrote down is, you know, do you desire God? Do you have a desire for God? Now, not just when things are going good and you're reading scripture and you're reading your key verses and your favorite verses and the ones that make you feel good and uplift your spirits. What about when you're reading the parts of scripture that reveal to you that you're a wretched mess? Mm. Now, don't, don't read those parts and because you're uncomfortable, move on. Read them, accept them, because what they're going to do is they're going to drive you further more to God. And, right. that, and in that, once you know who you are and how God views you apart from Christ, it's going to drive you to a deeper, more passionate, more meaningful worship mm. that you're in Christ. Right. Yeah. So, so do you desire God even in the uncomfortable uh, moments? Uh, next, do you desire holiness? Now, the desire for holiness comes from a desire to live out God's standard, Mm. which is something that now, because of Christ's imputed righteousness, he lived out the standard for us. So now when we come to him, we're viewed as though we had always obeyed God's law. But now in our regeneration, our changed heart, we have the desire to seek after God's commands and and to live out God's commands. Are you seeking holiness? Are you seeking to live out the commands of God? Are you seeking to put to death the old man and and to let the new man uh, chase after the things of God and that that which would satisfy God, that which would elevate him and not elevate yourself? And next, do you love your sin or do you hate your sin. Because if you love your sin, then you can't love God as well. If you hate your sin, you will be seeking all the more to put it to death day by day by day. And a heart that hates its sin, you know, is a heart that God is working in. Because it is a heart that understands and that realizes that they have transgressed and trespassed against God's holiness. And that is a sorrowful, sorrowful heart. And that is a heart that seeks continually to be reconciled to God. So do you desire God? Do you desire holiness? Do you love your sin or do you hate your sin? And then what are you going to do about it? Yeah, and I would uh, I would add to that, and being is is this 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 whole uh, time here was was really inspired by you know a comment about the the, the word of God 
um, you know, I would, I would, I would challenge you uh, with, with these questions. You know, I, I would, I would um, ask all of us these questions. Um, you know, do we, um, you know, do we desire going go to your point, man? To you know, do we desire holiness? Then, then I would say this. I mean, uh, Psalm one nineteen and verse nine says, "How can a young man keep his way pure by keeping it according to your word?" With all my heart, I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I have told of all your ordinances, all the ordinances of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies. As much as in all riches, I will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways. I shall delight in your statutes. I shall not forget your word. Is that our heart's cry? Do we, do we view scripture as sweeter also than the honey and the drippings of the honeycomb? Um, you know, do, do we desire scripture um, and keeping the commands of God? Are they more desirable than gold? Yes, than much fine gold. Um, so th these, are, these are questions we've all got to ask ourselves. Is, is that our desire? Do we desire his word? Do we desire the things of his word? Um, do we hold fast to that? Do we live in that, as Charles Haddon Spurgeon said? Um, and, 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 and if so, um, you know, uh, Colossians three, you know, Paul tells us, um, and this, this, this wonderful chapter, uh, about our new life in Christ. And, and I love, I love the way he starts that chapter. He says, therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, consider your members of the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. And, and skipping down, you know, to the, the, the latter part of that, that beautiful chapter and, and those, those commands that we're, we're, we are given, he says, let the peace, peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom and teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Dwell richly, richly dwell. Think about what those words mean. Um, and uh, and that, that's th those are great questions that we all have to ask ourselves every single day. Um, so, sorry for getting fired up, but not sorry all at the same time. I, I, I hope, I hope you know, I can't speak for Drew, but I think I can. I, ho I hope you hear our hearts um, in, in the fact that the reason that we get fired up about this is because you know, ultimately souls are at stake. Um, and, and, and somebody like that who, who is saying those things, yes, I mean, the goal is to talk about the teaching more than the teacher, but at the same time, Titus is very clear, um, that, that those who, th those who, uh, are, are, are false teaching in public need to be rebuked publicly and, and people need to be warned. And, you know, look, we, we God has blessed us with, with people who listen to this, and people who listen to this may hear something like that. And uh, both Drew, Josh, all three of us, you know, we, 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 we th there's a weight and responsibility that we feel to go, man, watch out for this. This is not right to, to stop listening to him. Don't, don't, don't give this any attention. And, and here's why. Um, so, yeah. Well, we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Matter of Theology. Again, go to patreon.com slash matter of theology and become a subscriber. Uh, the more subscribers we get, the more uh, content we will be posting. I mean, I'm just saying, because we want to do that. I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs>
<laughs> just say uh, we would be doing that. Another yeah. thing we're going to try is if you follow us uh, on Facebook, uh, we are going to try to do some Facebook live uh, Bible studies. So uh, go uh, like our Facebook page, go to like our Instagram too. follow us on Twitter, even though, man, I hardly use the, the Twitter, uh, but go, uh, go follow us uh, on Facebook and, you know, leave a suggestion for a Bible study topic or a book. Um, Cause we would love to do that. We, we would love to start doing that with you as well. Also, if you've got any questions, uh, comments, smart remarks, uh, if they're smart remarks, they better be good. Um, you just don't know. I'm a pro at being sarcastic. So if you got smart remarks, Gosh. they're not good. I'm going to come at you. I'm just saying, but, uh, you know, let us know, email us, give us your comments. We'd love to hear from you. And someone reach out to Josh. I know Josh loves hearing from people. He does. He does. And we are, we are grateful for you. And let us, let me just wrap up with this and say, uh, you know, this is a crazy, crazy time we're living in. Um, you know, uh, um, with what's going on with the COVID-19 and, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it, it was very real for me, uh, depending on when you listen to this, uh, this, this week. And, uh, as, as, as we, uh, at my job, we had to let some people go, uh, reduce some workforce, uh, to ensure the, the longevity of our business. And, uh, we are an essential business and so we're still going and still working. So, um, you know, be praying for us. But then, um, I say all that to say, um, in all seriousness, if there's something, and, and, and there've been people that have taken us up on this and I love that, but, um, if we can be praying for you in any way, shape or form, uh, please reach out, let us know. Um, if, if, you know, if you live in the Metro Atlanta area and there's something you need, uh, we may or may not be able to help with that. Um, but, uh, we pray that you're a part of a local church, uh, uh that, that, that could help with that. But if, uh, if there's something that we can do, you know, please reach out if you need anything at all. Um, we are grateful for every person that listens to our podcast and, um, uh, and again, our goal is not to be, uh, our goal is not to be divisive, uh, from a way, from, from a standpoint of elevating ourselves or our knowledge or, or to attack people, uh, from an offensive standpoint, but look at it and just go, this is, this is a direct violation and attack on the sufficiency of scripture, uh, which is God's breathed out word. So if you hear some, you know, the fired upness, that that's what that is. I know I've said that multiple times, but I, I think that needs to be said in today's world and, uh, our goal is not to be divisive, but the truth is divisive. Uh, so we're equal opportunity uh, offenders because the truth offends all of us at some point. Yeah. But he said, boy. So we're getting out of here. Bye-bye. Later. Good day. <laughs>